The prelude this morning is a familiar song to many of us. I love you, Lord. God is the creator of everything. He could have chosen to make us love him. He could have created us such that from our inner being, we loved him. Instead, he allowed the tree in the Garden of Eden and sin to be present so that we had a choice to love him. True love. God doesn't want a superficial love, but the deepest form of love. It is our choice to follow him, worship him, seek him, pray to him, and give him true love. Think about this choice that God gave us as we go through our service this morning and afterwards. We at First Church would like to welcome you, whether you're here in person, listening on the radio or watching on Facebook. We are blessed that you're a part of our service and hope that our music and singing is uplifting, our Bible study revealing, and our prayers impactful. There's a lot happening here at First Church. Please look over the bulletin for items that may be of interest to you. A few to note. We welcome Pastor Kim Catterhendricks back to First Church this morning. He is filling the pulpit while Pastor Joel is on vacation. Pastor Kim is such a good teacher with a message that brings the Bible to real life. As many of you probably already recognize, we have Kay back in Oregon today. It's always a joy to have her share her musical gifts with us. And it's heartwarming to have her here and playing on the organ. The red rose on the altar is in honor of Wayne and Nancy Bumbar, who will celebrate 61 years of marriage on July 16th. Congratulations to you. We will serve communion at the altar this morning. Uh, Pastor Kim will let you know when to come forward. There will be elders and trays for those who would like to be served in the pews. So now if you'd rise and join with me for the call to worship. The call to worship is taken from Psalm 118. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. In our anguish, we cried to the Lord, and he answered by setting us free. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. The Lord is our strength and our song. He has become our salvation. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. We will not die, but live. We will proclaim what the Lord has done. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. The stone the, the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And now we'll sing our opening hymn, number 92, Love Divine, All Love, Excelling.
please be seated. And now let's have the kids come forward for children's chat. They are going on a fishing trip. Come down from up there. Good morning, Andrew. Morning. How are you? Are you good? That's good. All right. So, I brought some books with me today. What book is this? Who's on here? Is that the Three Little Pigs? Yep, we got the Three Little Pigs. Okay. What book is this? The Three Bears. Okay. In here, I have a picture of a dinosaur. Do you know what kind of dinosaur this is? It's a triceratops, isn't it? How many horns does this triceratops have? Three. Do you notice anything in common about the triceratops, the three bears, and the three little pigs? Do they all have the number three in them? Yeah, they do. They all have the number three in them. Yeah. So, our Bible story today is... um, Our Bible story today is about a time when Jesus asked Peter something. Do you guys remember who Peter is? Peter is Jesus' friend. And the night before Jesus died, Peter denied Jesus three times. He said he didn't know who Jesus was. In our story today, Peter is going fishing. How many of you guys have been fishing before? Yeah? Did you catch anything? Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, huh? Yeah. Well, Peter was out fishing with some of his friends, and they had been out all night, and they caught nothing. So they decided, time's up, we're going into shore. Okay? And when they got close, they noticed somebody was on shore. And he had a fire going, and it looked like he was making breakfast. Do you ever have fish for breakfast? Prigsby, do you have fish for breakfast? No, I don't either. It's usually not on my breakfast menu. But Jesus was going to make them fish that morning. But he said to them, hey, put your nets on the other side of the boat. And they caught so many fish. So... As Peter and Jesus were talking, Peter asked Jesus three times if he loved him. Andrew, do you love Jesus? Yes. Emma, do you love Jesus? Yes. Caroline, do you love Jesus? Yes. Three times Jesus asked them that. Yeah, three times. Peter knew that because Jesus asked him three times, and that was how many times that he had denied him, that Jesus still loved him. Even when he messed up, Jesus still loves us. And Jesus wants us to know that we have an important job to do. We need to show people how much Jesus loves each one of us. And when we do that, God forgives us for when we mess up. Okay? So, after we pray, I thought we might need some fish to help us remember that Jesus loves us. Because that's what Peter was doing whenever he met with Jesus that morning. So, let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for the Bible and its truth. Help us to follow you and to serve you. Thank you for loving us no matter what. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys. Grab some fish. Go back to our seats now.
Everybody's got to get their fish. We're going to head back. Our offering this morning is for the radio fun. The special music is, Oh, How He Loved Me, You and Me. So if the deacons would come forward, please, for the offering. And now we'll sing hymn number 211, Oh, the Deep, Deep Love of Jesus.
be seated. Let's pray together. Merciful God, your patience is more than we deserve because our priorities are so often confused. You invite us to your table of life and love, and rather than running full speed, we hesitate. We consult our calendars and weigh our options. We consider who else might be in attendance, or we question whether we really belong. Forgive us, God, for not always knowing what's best for us, and forgive us when we know but still choose otherwise. Heavenly Father, by your grace, we who were once afar off have been brought near to you by the blood of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Remove from us all pride and vanity. Give to us humble hearts that recognize that you have graciously made us members of your household. Gracious God, we want to be your disciples and to take up our own cross daily and follow you in humble obedience. We pray today that we may willingly submit to your will in every area of our lives and to share in Christ's sufferings so that we may be continuously transformed by his death into the likeness of Christ. All this we pray in the name of our Savior Jesus Christ who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and glory forever. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 1 through 17. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore but about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals. There were fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of God, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, 
son of God, John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time. Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. So before I start, there's a, there's a couple of things I want to say. First of all, it's good to be back in an area where people know how to pronounce my last name. We live in the greater Hamilton area, and every time I have somebody looks at my name, they go, um, uh, wh- how do you pronounce that? So it's good to be back where it just kind of rolls off your tongue, and you know, you know what that's like. And, and the second thing I want to ask you is the hymn that we sang right before the Scripture. Uh, did any of you hear that with different words? What words did you hear? Once to every man and nation comes the moment to decide. That may be appropriate later on as we get into this message. Okay? So as, as we begin this morning, I understand that Pastor Joel some time ago delivered a message on this particular scripture passage. And uh, we talked about that a couple months ago. And I sent him a copy of what I was going to say. And he and sent back and he said, you're okay. That's good. You can do that. So I think I may approach it just a little bit differently than what he did. And you may hear some things that you heard before, and that's okay because I remember growing up here doing Heidelberg Catechism, and it was repeat, 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 repeat. So sometimes it doesn't hurt to repeat. So as, as we look at what's going on in the Gospels and we read the Gospel accounts, we understand that Jesus made numerous appearances after the resurrection. We remember that he appeared to Mary Magdalene. He appeared to two disciples who were on the Emmaus Road. He appeared to the disciples in the upper room twice. And from our scripture lesson today, we ought to know that we're going to consider another life-changing appearance of Jesus to a special disciple. Now, in this, it's in this account of meeting between Peter and Jesus, I want to concentrate specifically on verses 15, 16, and 17. But verse 1 through 16, the whole context, uh, sets the stage. And John tells us that this event occurred after Jesus had finally appeared to Thomas in the upper room. So the disciples had gone back to their home region. And the confusion surrounding the death of Jesus. They knew that he had risen from the dead, but they didn't know when they would see him again. So they go back now to familiar territory, assuming that their work of being Jesus' disciples must be over because he's no longer with them. And remember, the Great Commission hasn't been given to the disciples yet. So Peter declares that he's going to go back to what he knows best. He's going to go fishing. And six other disciples decide that they're going to spend the night fishing with him. Any of you ever fish at Grand Lake St. Mary's at night? You know why they fished at night, don't you? They didn't have to deal with the heat. And probably the fish bit better. I don't know. But they were fishing at night. In the morning when the sun comes up, they've caught nothing. Ever go fishing and catch nothing? Now, as the sun begins to rise, they see someone on the water's edge who's out there, and he's out there looking out toward them. And the man on the shore, whom, of course, we know is Jesus, asks if they've caught anything. What a great question to ask somebody who's been fishing all night and hasn't caught anything. When they reply in the negative, he suggests that they cast their nets on the other side of the boat, and they'll catch fish. And, of course, that's exactly what happened. They caught so many fish that they couldn't even haul the nets in. 
Well, at that moment, John realizes that the man on the shore is Jesus. And he says to Peter, hey, Peter, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. And Peter's immediate response to all of this is to jump into the lake and swim to shore, leaving the others behind to deal with all these fish and bring those nets in. I think about that and I wonder, do you imagine that the other disciples got a little dismayed with Peter every now and then about the impetuous, impulsive things he did? So when the net is finally pulled in, the men discover they've caught about 153 fish. Meanwhile, Jesus has already prepared a charcoal fire on the shore and started cooking fish even before they arrived. And I look at that part of the passage and I think, where did he get the fish? Where did Jesus get the fish he was cooking? You know what the answer is? He's Jesus. He's got the fish. <laughs> and he invites them to have breakfast with him. And this is an invitation that they can't refuse. So he gave them bread and fish and the disciples ate together with the risen Lord. And after breakfast is over, Peter and Jesus go for a little walk together. And this is the part of the story perhaps that we know the best. And Jesus breaks the silence. Can you imagine what Peter might be expecting to hear? This is the first time they've talked at any length following the resurrection, following the time that Peter denied Jesus. Imagine what Peter thought he might hear. Three times earlier, Peter had denied his Lord by another charcoal fire. Three times Peter was asked if he was one of Christ's disciples. Three times he denied it because he was afraid that what was happening to Jesus was going to happen to him. He was afraid he'd be arrested and he was afraid he'd be smacked around and beaten and he was afraid that he might be condemned to die by crucifixion. Three times now, around another charcoal fire, his Lord asks Peter about the genuineness of his love. Jesus was creative and sensitive, but he was also determined. Peter had to face his failure. So Jesus confronted him three times. But Jesus didn't say to Peter, You know, Peter, I'm so ashamed of you. Some friend you turned out to be. I'm really disappointed in you, Peter. You let me down. Hey, Pete, you're all talk. You coward. Boy, was I ever wrong about you. And you call yourself a disciple. That's not what Jesus said to Peter. Instead, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Now, you know, there's a great deal of speculation about who these are are did jesus mean the boats and the fishing nets do you love me more than you love the boats here did he mean do you love me more than you love the rest of these disciples did jesus mean do you love me more than these other disciples love me it's interesting to read verse 15 in different versions because we get different pictures for example if we read it in the J.B. Phillips version, we get this. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these others? If we look at it in the easy-to-read version, it says, When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these other men love me? See, what Jesus is doing here is he's asking Peter to make a comparison of his love for Christ to his love for other things. And remember, Peter had boasted about his love for Christ. And he had even contrasted it with that of the other men. At the Last Supper, Jesus was talking about what was ahead, about being glorified. And Peter wanted to know why he couldn't go with Jesus. 
Peter said, I will lay down my life for you. And in the 26th chapter of Matthew, Peter said, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. And you see, there's, there's more than a hint in these boastful statements that Peter believed that he loved the Lord more than the other disciples loved the Lord. And Jesus asks now, after Peter had denied him three times at the trial, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now we need to take note that Jesus calls him Simon and not Peter. You remember Peter was that name that Jesus gave to him when he said, I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. He calls him Simon. And that must have cut Peter to the quick. The name Peter meant rock. He had made those rock-solid statements, even if all fall away, I will not. And now Jesus is questioning his loyalty and his love. And Jesus is piercing him, using his old name, Simon, who's not such a hard rock now. Do you really love me? It's interesting how Peter responds, and we need to have some understanding of the Greek here. Jesus asks the question using a form of the Greek word agape, which means a self-sacrificing, self-giving love, almost a divine word. You knew, you know, and then he uses a form of the Greek word philio. The translation would be, yes, Lord, you know I have affection for you. The worldwide English New Testament actually translates it this way. Yes, Lord, you know that I like you. I'm your friend. Imagine that. Peter couldn't bring himself to say that he loved Jesus with the divine love. But Jesus answered him, then feed my lambs. Well, the question comes again. Simon, do you love me? Now Jesus is asking the simple question. No more comparisons with the other disciples. Simon, do you really love me? Do you agape love me? And Peter answers again with that same word. You know I have affection for you. And so Jesus says, take care of my sheep. And then comes the third question. And Jesus changes the word. He says, Peter, do you have filio for me? Do you even have affection for me? How do you suppose Peter felt? He must be about crushed by now. Three times the question came to him. Suppose he's reliving the three times he denied Jesus? If we read it in the, in the New International Version, it says that Peter was hurt by the question. King James says he was grieved by the question. The Message Version says he was upset. The Greek word means sorrowed. Peter's heart is grieved. And he blurts out, Lord, you know all things. And with those words, Peter denies his, he, he renounces his self-confidence. On that faithful night in the upper room, he thought he knew himself, but he didn't. Now he's not so sure. He doesn't even trust his own heart. He trusts in the Lord, who knows all things. think about what was going on with Peter. He loved Jesus, but at this point he stood before the resurrected Christ and he was no longer the rock. 
the one who was self-assured, the one who could claim that even if everyone else deserted Jesus, he never would. And Jesus was doing spiritual surgery on Peter's heart. There were three questions for Peter, and there were three confessions from Peter, and there were three commissions from Jesus. Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. And Peter is restored in the love of God. Now here's the issue for us today. Have you faced that question from the risen Christ? Has Jesus said to you, do you love me? One of the most amazing things that we could do today is imagine that we are on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and we are alone with Jesus and he asks us, do you love me more than these? And we have to answer honestly because he knows all things. You see... Jesus doesn't ask what church we go to or what kingdom activity we're involved in. Jesus doesn't want to know if we are theologically conservative or theologically liberal. Jesus avoids our stand on church issues like whether or not women can serve in offices in the church or whether we baptize forward or backward or whether we sprinkle or pour. Jesus doesn't even question the amount of money we give to the church. And of course, these things are all important spiritual markers, but they're not the most important thing. Jesus focuses on our hearts. And he asks if what we do and say and are flows out of our love for him. Maybe maybe there was a time when we thought we could answer that sort of a question with confidence. We may have thought that we could say with Peter, even though all my friends forsake you, I never will. But now, well, maybe we're not so sure. Maybe we have issues of doubt that have been raised by intellectuals who argue against the idea of God based on scientific proof. Maybe, maybe we look at the scriptures and say that it's a good book, but we can't take it as literally true. We have to allow for errors in interpretation and understand that our culture and our times are different today. And we have to understand the Bible in the context of our culture. Maybe we have doubts about ourselves. Maybe the pressure in our lives is so great that we just can't agree to a total commitment of our lives to the Lord. After all, we all know that faith is a private issue. And sometimes it's even a secret issue. And here Jesus is saying, do you love me? How do we respond to him? What Jesus is asking from us is love, not affection. He doesn't want to hear us say, yes, Lord, I'm friendly with you. He wants to hear, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus is asking the same question today. Do you love me more than you love your job? Do you love me more than you love your own pride? Do you love me more than you love your money? Do you love me more than pleasure? Do you love me more than all these things? We need to understand that there are three qualifications for those who would serve the Lord. Three qualifications. 
The first is love. The second is love. And the third is love. First we love, then we serve. First we love, then we speak. First we love, then we lead. Oh, there's, there's one more thing. Remember that when we confess our love for Jesus, the response is, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Can we handle that? Or, or would we really know all about you? Sad, isn't it? I'm glad you're my friend and, and keep coming to church, but please don't do anything. Because after all, you're not qualified. But come, come and show your friendship. Is that what we want to hear? Is that what Jesus is saying to us? No, it's not. He's saying, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Jesus links our love for him with our serving of others. Peter's relationship with Christ was healed and he was recommissioned for ministry. Jesus wanted Peter to know that he still had an assignment for him. He had more confidence in Peter than Peter had in himself. So after this impromptu breakfast meeting, the disciples were never the same. Peter became a powerhouse for Jesus. The others served with distinction and glorified God in their lives and even ultimately in their deaths. Why the change in them? What happened? Why were they changed? I think perhaps the answer lies in the fact that they learned some lessons that were never forgotten that morning. Some lessons that they took to heart and they were and they were allowed them to work in their lives. Do you love me, Jesus asked? How do you answer that question? All of us have to respond. There is great mercy with the Lord. We need to run to Him. The one who can restore us from our brokenness and renew us in service and ministry to Him. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, forgive us our failures, our sins, and our moments of unfaithfulness. Restore us to your service. Renew us in our passion for holiness and rekindle us with your spirit. We want to honor and serve you always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll stand and sing hymn number 374, O Love That Will Not Let Me Go.
be seated. In 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says, For I have delivered unto you that which I also received, that on the same night in which he was betrayed, our Lord took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, Take and eat, this is my body, broken for you. And in the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim my death until I come again. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you sanctify these gifts of bread and wine that we set before you so that we, in partaking them, may be filled with a true, true love for Jesus. And may these, these elements of this communion service strengthen us and remind us again and again and again. We belong to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. You all will come up. you would come please come and receive the uh, elements let me treat
body of Christ broken for you, eat of it, all of you. Blood of Christ poured out for you, drink of it. Thank you, Lord, for feeding us at this table. May we go from this place restored, strengthened, and renewed. We pray it, pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. We are dismissed. Amen.